Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stretty Cast brought to you after Manchester United's 2-1 defeat against Sheffield United in the Premier League. Mike, emotions are going to be a lot lower than they have been on previous podcasts because we've been recording on, on an amazing run of late. And this is a reality check for Manchester United. Very much so. The attitude of the team from the first minute was very poor. They went out there with the body language that this result would be a formality. There is no formalities when it comes to the Premier League, especially this season. If you're not on your game, teams will go after you. And United don't, as well as United have done this season, they don't have that fear factor to be able to psychologically have one over on teams before the first whistle. And you saw that in that game. Listen, let's get the... We're probably going to, someone's probably going to ask about these referees' decisions, but I want to get the two referee calls out of the way because I think there's a danger of being distracted by them when the fact is the best team won last night. I think we have to be clear. Sheffield United deserved to win that game. They had a game plan. They executed it brilliantly. They were well-disciplined. They were well-organised. The first Sheffield United goal was a foul. He just pushed David <laughs> pushed him. It's a foul. The disallowed goal that we had was not a foul. It was definitely not a foul. Maguire tries to challenge the ball. And this was actually one of those occasions where the keeper uh, climbed on top of him. Yeah, Maguire um, was well within his jumping rights. Like he, yeah, he the keeper made out. the keeper made a bit of a made a complete hash of coming out for a cross. However, as I said, the best team won. I thought Sheffield United wanted that game more. They wanted to win more yesterday. They put everything out there on the line. There's real questions to be asked, and I know we're going to get to this because we, you sort of previewed me one of the questions we had. To not test 38-year-old Phil Jagielka and make him look like Franco Baresi, I think there's some questions have to be asked about what the forwards were doing. Rashford was gamely trying. Greenwood was trying along in the second half. He just was completely anonymous. Anthony Martial, oh dear me. We'll get to him. We'll get to him very much. Um, Swan David didn't have a good game. But I think Maguire, I know he scored, but he has a couple lot more flat. He's supposed to be marshal in your defence, mate. And you... You couldn't even. You didn't even look like you could marshal a rack of pencils in that game. It was shocking. 
Yeah, we're going to dedicate this podcast to the questions because I'm quite pleasantly surprised by the the feedback we've got on the podcast in the past few weeks. So thanks to everyone who's been listening and also submitting questions. So there's been so many questions on the back of last night's defeat that um, we're just going to answer them for, for this episode. So starting off, Mike Kinney has asked in, Cavani's work rate, work rate off the ball is unreal. Why does Martial start when he offers nothing off the ball? Now, this is something that you briefly mentioned to me before we, we started recording about Mar- Martial's lack of, of running last night. The, the thing is, well, what I've long learned with Martial is he's either he's either in the right frame of mind or he's not. You'll get games where he everything clicks for him and you'll get games where absolutely nothing clicks for him. And we're having too many of those. Last night, I thought it was a game to start Cavani. We can't look at Cavani as a 33-year-old and think that, oh, he's played too much football this season. He hasn't played enough. And that was a game in which, beforehand, I was fancying to to get on the score sheet once or twice. Pretty poor defensively. Why didn't we test Phil Jagielka more? Cavani doesn't look like a 33-year-old when he plays. There's no reason whatsoever not to play him in that game. And Martial, for, for a long time, I want to get to it after one of the other questions, Mike, but um, there, there's bigger holes there, I see, because Mason Greenwood must be knocking that door thinking, why am I be the one being hauled off? Um, he's been desperate for a long time. Yes, he has. I, 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 I mentioned on this podcast a while ago that I felt Solskjaer was loyal, too loyal to certain players. Um, I was talking about De Gea. I'm still not convinced about De Gea, even though he's been better. And Anthony Martial is one of those players that he's been far too loyal to for far too long. He's done nothing but disappoint. Pulling up his goal-scoring statistics, Martial, he averages one goal every three games. He less than half his shots hit the target. It's not great for someone that's trying to sort of put their oar into being a league centre-forward, is it, really? Um, What's his best role? Because a few of the people that, that we won't get to with the questions are asking, what is Martial's best role? And So this question is, what does he offer off the ball? But he's played out wide. He's argued in the past that he would prefer to play as a centre-forward. And he's had his chance there. And in fairness, we can't forget last season he, he showed some of his best form. But it's just too inconsistent. And I'm still unsure that if he's to be our, our main outlet from the left-hand side... I'm just wondering if if we're a year or two away from scratching our heads and asking the question, is there a better option out there? He's 25 now. Uh, sorry, were people not scratching their heads and asking this question two years ago yeah. on Anthony Martial? For all of his faults, Jose Mourinho was certainly asking those questions and I think he might have been right when it came to Anthony Martial. Uh, he is a good centre... He's a good forward, but he's not an elite-level forward. It's simple as that. Um, there's a reason he's not in the French national team because he's not good enough to be in the French national team. He's not. Look at the other options France have got going forward. Is he better than those options? Of course he isn't. And he's not good enough for Manchester United, frankly. I think United need to be looking to moving on from him in the summer, really. Um, but I don't think they will. I think Solskjaer's going to be a little bit too loyal to him. I don't understand why. I'm not sure what he sees in the guy. Uh, but he keeps playing him and... Um, Cavani, in contrast, I don't remember Marcia making one near post running that game yesterday. Cavani made one with him in the first five minutes of coming on. And considering the amount of attempted crosses he were coming in, that's quite damning, really. And there was one other thing you want to pick up. The reason you can't play Marcia on the wing 
Real Ferdinand highlighted this uh, for the second Sheffield United goal. He sort of runs into a cul-de-sac playing a one-two with Matic, and Matic is partly to blame for that as well. He doesn't really offer himself, and Matic was a pretty good summation of the United performance yesterday. He had lots of the ball, and he did absolutely nothing with the ball daily. He offered nothing whatsoever. Um, and then Sheffield United win the ball back and then set off for the attack, which would eventually lead to the Oliver Burke goal. Marcel just kind of ambles back, you know, limp-wristed, sort of half-jogging, half-walking back. And you're thinking, it's it's one all. Uh, we've got 20 minutes to go here. And again, we need to be winning. And you're ambling back. Considering the loyalty that the manager has shown to him by leaving him on the pitch after he'd offered nothing, I think that is really would leave me scratching my head and wondering, if I was the manager, why am I wasting my time with this guy? I'm just going to shine light on one of my tweets before half-time last night. And I said, United don't do walking pace in front of goal when Cavani's on the pitch. Martial needs an urgency injection. You know, the signs were there in the first half that, that Martial wasn't pulling up trees. And, and that a, a, different, a different option would be needed. What I was surprised by was in the second half, maybe not surprised, but I, I don't understand why Greenwood was hauled off. Now, I know Greenwood wasn't playing particularly brilliant, but... He's a better finisher than, than Martial. I think he's more prolific than Martial. And it's not the first time in which he's been the one that's been hauled off. And I'm thinking if, if Solskjaer is, is, is hoping to get the best out of Greenwood for the second half of the season, he's going to have to give him more minutes on the pitch. And right now I'm looking at the team, and I'd rather be watching Greenwood play than, than Martial. I, I, I think he will offer us more. I absolutely agree. I also think it's something that gets overlooked a little bit, but I do think Solskjaer is too passive and waits too long to make changes during games. For me, yesterday, there should have been at least two changes at half-time. Someone else you highlighted, we haven't spoken about yet, who was poor, was Alex Talese. You know, he needs to be thinking about giving Luke Shaw something to think about. Didn't do that yesterday, did he? No, I, 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 I think... I'm gonna call this a good compliment or a good complaint because when Alex Tellez arrived, we still weren't very sure about what was going on at left back in the team. I don't think um, we would have been shining light that we have on Luke Shaw now on him at that time either. A lot of people were not convinced by Shaw up until recently, and he's all of a sudden become this really mature, almost veteran-like left back in, in the team he, he's a solid 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 player in that defense now um but I look at Tellez and I think it's it's a good complaint because he's after driving Sean so much that our standards now are very high and and Tellez came in last night and he wasn't good he wasn't a good performance wasn't good enough but the reaction from people showed how high the standard has been set Mike in, in recent months from Luke Shaw and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because he's someone who I question people have questioned whether he um he's consistent enough well the difference I've seen in him this season is that he just looks like a man he, he doesn't look like a youngster anymore um he's much much better much more accomplished fullback and if he can keep growing I don't think we need to worry too much about Alex Tellez I still think that he's Tellez would be a great option to come on and change a team dynamic 
if we were looking for a goal, um, his crosses are are usually very good. You know, they are usually very good. But also, we have to understand that he he started a game yesterday, Mike, without Cavani up front. And you look at those, that front three, I can't see them making the runs that would warrant the crosses that Tellez would usually put 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 into the box. They, they, don't, they don't fight enough for the ball. Um, but I'm going to jump on to the next question um, from Ben. So he asks, why do we make the same mistakes, a string of good results, and then players' management seem to get complacent and deliver one of the worst performances you're likely to see? There's a track record for this under Ollie. There is, certainly. Um, it does. We, this does seem to happen. We get in a run of games and then complacency seems to set in. But they haven't got much time to pick this up because we've got a big game at the weekend with Arsenal, so they need to be picking themselves up again. This was senior players really not stepping up and managing the group. I think a lot of this is as well, and probably part of that does come down to the manager, I'm afraid, not being tough enough. He was clearly not happy after the game. I, I did watch his post-match interview this morning. I didn't watch it last night. Literally, I turned the game off and I went to bed. I wasn't going to waste my time sticking around for the analysis for that. I'd seen enough. And he was talking about United lacking a little bit of magic. No, we didn't lack magic. We lacked discipline. We lacked um, aggression. We lacked rhythm. It was nothing to do with magic. It was the basics was what we lacked. It was not sprinting to players when opposition players when they had the ball. You look at the second goal, Dale. Oliver Burke practically stands in the same spot for both shots that he has on goal. How is that even allowed to happen? Mm. That's appalling. And there's two or three United players not marking anyone. All one of them has to do is just go and close him down. The man you met it, you seen the um, oh, hang on, I think it was McGoldrick had the ball out and put the ball in. And Matic is looking at him, sprint to him. You're going to close him down, Matic. There's no one else there. You can go and leave that space in behind. There's plenty of Richards. Go and close the player down. Yeah, but also De Gea in the lead up to that. I think he plays a pass out from the back and it goes straight to a Sheffield player. But well, he's he's not good with the ball at his feet, Dale. But but they persist then, Mike, with playing out from the back. Which look. We can't complain about too much. This is what we've been doing for the past few months, which has seen us get back on top of the Premier League. I know we're not we're second right now, but it's a lot of our form. I've been scratching my head during this period saying, why do we persist with pinning out from the back when I'm still not convinced that the players that are doing it are comfortable doing so? If that's the, for, if that's the platform Solskjaer wants to eventually play with, he is going to get, need to get different personnel in that team. Um, How long have I been saying this for defenders, Dale? All across the defence. The only defender who is really convincing on the ball that we have is Luke Shaw. He's the only one. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's why it shouldn't be the biggest shock that his his current rise to prominence, um, that he's a player who is flourishing under under, under Oli. Um, and that next question from Brian Murphy. Are Martial and Rashford wingers, or what is their best position? I've always viewed them as a problem positionally. I don't believe either of them are wingers. I don't believe either of them are out-and-out strikers. I think they're both very much second strikers, and pigeonholing them into the side has been an issue for a few years. Agree with that? Um, Martial, certainly. Uh, Rashford is is very much a... Yeah, I would say he's a second striker, but it's no problem with him playing inside forward. I think I would like to see I would like to see us try playing him and Cavani together up front and, and, and see how that how we go with that. 
actually for a while and maybe change the shape of the team a little bit. The problem is, is is that we don't have sufficient width in the squad, right, as well, which is why Solskjaer's playing them there. You mentioned we need a right winger. I think we need a right back who's more dynamic going forward. Maybe need an option who can... It's funny. It's weird. How do we approach this, right? So, two options here. You're talking about getting a right winger, but that leaves this weirdly imbalanced, asymmetrical team where you have no actual left winger and then you've got an out-and-out right winger and then a right back that never goes forward and then you're getting a left back to cover the whole left side of the pitch, which is what you seem to be looking for, I think, when we've talked about this before. I'm not convinced about that. I would rather we go out and got a wing back to play on the right-hand side to shut them down and then we look for some options uh, to dominate in the middle of the park a bit more because we didn't control the game in the middle. We absolutely did not. We gave the ball away way too many times in the middle of the pitch, in the final third of the field, which is if you're dominating the midfield, you absolutely don't do. I think you could play Rashford as an inside forward. That's fine. But if you are going to do that, then you have to go to that kind of asymmetrical shape that you're talking about, which is then you have to have somebody on the right giving you width so then Martial can come in off the flank and make late runs into the box, which I think he can do, and he, he's done it very well. We've seen him do it before. I think he's been obviously hampered by injuries over the last year. Are you talking about Martial being positioned then on the on the right? I'm talking about Martial being positioned at another club. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> um, yeah, well, look, that's, that's, that's the big thing with Soldier since he's come in. He has been tasked with finding those roles for Mar- for Martial and Rashford because under Mourinho they they were younger players um and their and their career was going down an even more uncertain path because as a manager I don't think he was um the greatest of help to him Louis van Gaal was great help to Martial and him setting in in Manchester but 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 the chopping and changing of managers for throughout the years doesn't help these players it definitely doesn't help because Managers have different ideas and different philosophies. I think I think with Solskjaer, we've we've expected him to get the best out of these strikers. Being a, a former goal scorer himself, you think he'd have the knack with, with forward players. And when he came in, like Rashford was booming, Martial showed a lot more consistency last season. So we have seen these players play better under Solskjaer, but I don't think we're really any any the wiser as to to what the roles are in the team. I think. Rashford maybe more clear. I think Rashford is, is another player going through a tough spell at the moment. Isn't quite hitting the high standards he's hit previously, but he's also a player who's played um with ongoing injury problems with bad shoulders and stuff. So we need to take that into account as well. Mike, next question from Jason Doyle: Should Ali be placing more trust in Greenwood, or is he right to take the kid glove approach? As to not let his ego get in the way of Martial's. Kind of t- goes back to something you mentioned before, where they need to be looking at giving Greenwood some more game time, right? Yeah, I think Greenwood needs to be playing more instead of Martial. I think Martial's had more than enough opportunities now. Like, how many months are we going to go on and on and on with it, waiting for this guy to play himself into form? I don't think he's good enough at this level. So say Martial has a good last two months of the season... But is that really good enough to make up for the other eight months? I don't think it is. You can't be having a player in your squad who just plays well two months every year, right? And this is... Even when you look at last season, most of the goals that he scored were 
what, in that second phase of the season, coming back after the lockdown, that seems to where most of his goals came in. And then the bulk of his goals before that was in his first season. That's not convincing, that, is it? No, I don't think it's ever been convincing. I think that there's always been... There was this argument going into this season on the back of the last campaign was whether Martial was finally going to stamp down his, his role in the team. Was he going to go on to score 25-plus goals this season? Um, I don't think that's going to be happening. And it, it does raise the questions co- coming into the summer. And maybe United won't do it this summer. Maybe United will, as you said, kind of show too much trust in Martial. But I do think questions need to be asked that if he is the player at 25 that United hoped he was going to be maybe three years ago. Um, I don't think he is that player. I don't think he's the elite player we had had our fingers crossed for when he broke onto the scene. And and it's it's fine margins, Mike, because a player like Martial starts every week for Manchester United. It's what we're kind of complaining about on this, on this show. And he's on big money. He's one of the bigger stars. The thing is, if you were play, if you get rid of Martial, you have to buy someone else. And I think we've had, uh, uh, probably had enough. Um, and we, he hasn't, he hasn't proven it yet. You know, he has pr- between now and the end of the season to stake his claim. Um, it's not looking good, and I'm just wondering if Solskjaer will make a decision on that front in the summer. You know, he's got Cavani, and he'll be there for another season, I'd imagine. Um. Rashford hopefully get him better. Greenwood hopefully get him better. Hopefully adding the right winger to the fold. But I I, I do think this summer that they, they should probably look at imp- making a making a statement there. No, I agree. I think um, I've said about three. This will be the third or fourth time I've said it on this episode today. Time has come really with Martial to make a de- to make the decision to move him on. Um, he's never going to be an elite club player. He just doesn't have the mindset to do it. What about that guy at Inter Milan? Um, we're going to speak on the, at the end of this podcast about the Slatan and, and Lukaku um, clash over during the week in the Milan derby. But but the the forward for Inter Milan is Latoro Martinez. The, the, he's been linked to Manchester United and Barcelona in the past. I might have his name wrong. But Inter Milan have always been interested in, in Anthony Martial. And do you think that could be a potential win-win for both clubs? I'll tell you what, if Inter willingly would swap La Toro for Anthony Martial, they're even more of a basket case club than I've even known <laughs> them to be down the years. As someone that has watched a lot of Italian football and Inter Milan down the years, traditionally enormous club. But I've, some, I've made decisions regarding personnel that have sometimes left you scratching your head. Um, Latoro's a brilliant player. Um, but, there's, you know, there's also another forward at Inter Milan that we, we actually had once upon a time and we let him go for less than we bought him for. And I said at the time, I didn't agree with it. I've been consistent of it now. I didn't agree with us letting him go. I thought he had a big role to play. And are you telling me he couldn't have, he couldn't have given a lot more to that attack? than what Anthony Martial's given to us. I'm not buying that for a second, Dale. Go and look at Romelu Lukaku's goal-scoring record. Go and look at Anthony Martial's goal-scoring record in the same period of time. Okay. no comparison between those two. That's all well and good. But the, what the, how the situation went down was he was signed by Jose Mourinho. A manager brought him in. He was fired. And the new manager wanted to come in and see what attacking options he had. And I, and I support what Solskjaer did. 
Um, because Lukaku was not the type of striker who's going to build his attack around. For the better of the team, we went down a different different role. And, we're, and we're, so we're, Anthony Martial, Anthony Martial's that player, is he? No, apparently no, Ollie seems no. to think he is. No, he he he's not. But but I, I still think this team is in the process of improving. You know, we look at the midfield now and the additions coming in. And in the summer, I'm hoping that what we're talking about now that this will be addressed. We we got Cavani. Well, who, who who are we building this attack around? Now? Who is the focal point of the attack? Right now, it's got to be Bruno Fernandes. I mean, a forward dial. Yeah, I I I don't I don't think it's going to be sold on on Martial. Between now and the end of the season, though, either I think his chances have been are are being wasted. You tell, you tell me, Romelu Lukaku wouldn't make this team better. I think he would. Then, then Martial, I would think he, yeah, he's a better striker, definitely. He's far better striker. He's brilliant striker. I suppose Latoro, in terms of Latoro, he would maybe fit in with more than what I think with what I think Ole is trying to do, in the fact that he's able to link play very well, also. Which is why him and Romelu Lukaku work really, really well together as a partnership. They are a really good partnership up front. Um, they work together so, so well. And they're right up at the, the top of the league this season. You know, you're looking at it and I would probably marginally favour Inter to go over in the league this season. But they, but uh, there you go, Mike, as well. You're saying that Lukaku works, is working really well in, in a front two. But that, that that's not the way Manchester United play. in a front two with Marcus Rashford? You play him in a front. You could. Yeah, we don't have the personnel to play that the way Ollie wants to play right now. So surely he has to have another way of wanting to play in the meantime until he can get the personnel he wants. Otherwise, it's going to be like the Unai Emery at Arsenal thing where Emery was trying to play this certain way of playing out from the back. He didn't have the players to do it and he got fired for it in the end. Mm. No, no, I know, I know. It, 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 this, this is the whole thing about though. What Solskjaer are trying to stamp on this team is to play a certain way, and I think that looking back at how the Lukaku episode unfolded, um, we can't forget too that he was acting a complete prick that summer. Um, but he, he did not suit the way in which Manchester United wanted to play, and I, and I, and I, and I do feel we haven't got the answer yet. Solskjaer hasn't got the answer yet for Lukaku, and he's building this team. But when was we... he frozen out though by Solskjaer? Was he just frozen out? I think he was frozen out because he was creating more issues than he he was sticking his fingers in more pies than what he needed. And one one right. of the one of those players, but, but another that... player who was doing the same problem, and Ole has made every allowance for that guy in the time he's been at the club. <laughs> the thing is, okay, that player had a big involvement with what went down with Lukaku that summer because they had a big clash. And Lukaku wasn't happy at the, at the fact that Paul Pogba was his future was so uncertain, but he was being protected by the club. Now the big difference is, and Solskjaer knew this, that Paul Pogba was staying at Manchester United that summer. Lukaku wanted to leave ASAP, and he created a lot of problems and 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 tried to he tried to pull the the Pogba spin, but at the end of the day, Pogba was very quick to come out on Twitter yesterday when this whole racist storm came off on Slatan Ibrahimovic's shoulder that he apparently was some racist for having a row with Lukaku and Pogba was like, Hey, that's not true about Slatan, don't even joke about that. Um, no, that's not no way. I don't buy that at all. I don't know who's made that story up. Yeah, it apparently Slatan Sky Italia reported yesterday that after the Milan Derby, after being sent off, that Slatan told or apologized, not apologized, but explained to his AC Milan teammates that what he said was was not to be 
um, not to be seen as a- any way racist. And, and when this, when you explained the story, so so Mike, he he referenced um, a little donkey and and voodoo. So and what, what the re- the voodoo reference is, what's being caught up in this racist storm, um, has been explained by by Slatan apparently that there was a big story published by the Guardian a few years ago the summer the Lukaku joined Manchester United and it was something about a new Everton contract wasn't it Mike and and the 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 Everton chairman said that a voodoo doll told Lukaku not to sign the contract or not to do something <laughs> and Slatan's literally just taking the piss out of the fact that Lukaku would believe a voodoo doll um that's not fucking racist. Well, no, but there's the the, the connotations, I suppose. But no, I don't, I don't buy for a second that that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a racist. No, I don't. I don't, I don't buy. I don't, I don't buy that. This isn't like the. Um, no, it's not like the Mihailovic Patrick Vieira thing from years ago. This is not. This is not that situation. And I feel. I feel like Lukaku would have said something publicly had, had it had it been racist. He wasn't happy, that. Mike. He was not happy. No, he wasn't. He wasn't happy, but. I feel like he would have said something at this point. Because when when I seen the t- the the inc- or can you can you talk us to, through the the incident because you obviously you watch Syria yeah, quite yeah. closely. When I watched the incident, like Lukaku flipped, but Slatan seemed fairly relaxed and and calculated. I think there'd been some needle between uh, Slatan and a couple of the interplays through the game. Um, unsurprisingly, he's the last time getting involved in a derby game. Who knew? And him and Lukaku had words leading up to that. And then there was this... So Zlatan had already been booked, right? He'd already had a yellow card. I think it was back in the first half he'd had the yellow card. And um, then it was, you know, you know the old handbag to dawn thing. It's one of those kind of things. When people talk about a clash on a football pitch, it's not like... It's not like an ice hockey thing where there's like it's a proper brawl. It's like a bit of a coming together... And then they both moved their heads into each other, you know, like squaring up. Got the kiss. Yeah, exactly. Not really a Glasgow kiss, though, is it? <laughs> um, and, yeah, Lukaku got really... Obviously, Zlatan said something that very much wound up probably Lukaku. Um, although the, the bottom line is Inter won the game. It was a Coppa Italia match. Inter won the game. So, who got the last laugh there? It was it was probably Lukaku, and he'll probably get the last laugh when he wins the league this season as well. He's just an incredible oh. athlete, Slatan. Um, I'm going to double check actually what age he is now. My phone, but still too plain at that level. Thirty-nine. He's thirty-nine. Okay, thirty-nine. Um, still to be playing at that level. Yeah, you're right. Thirty-nine. Four, four years ago, he was at United. Exactly, and Milan derbies, scoring goals, causing havoc, still doing what he does best. He's an incredible athlete. He is, uh, and they've got a good, a very, very talented young side around him as well um, at, uh, at Milan. And think about the, the amount those young players are learning from being in that team with him. Because they brought him back, and it's kind of like this fantastic story in Milan. And, and those players would have grown up most of them would have been teenagers at the time he was at AC Milan and idolising this Swedish god and now he's the catalyst of, of their team again and, and, and very much building Milan for the future. You know, Milan are, are back um, near near the top of Italian football again. 
Yeah, very much a surprise as well. I mean, if you think United have been a basket case for the last several years, I mean, Milan have been even worse. Obviously, they had this Chinese guy who won the club for a while, and it turned out he didn't have any money. And then, obviously, uh, the uh, Elliott Management Head Fund came in, who was one of the creditors, came in and took over the club. And I think the thing with Zlatan, where he fits at Milan... Why he fitted at United and why he should have been kept? I think he should have been kept on for at least one more year. I know he had the injury, but I think it was worth us keeping him for another year. I think Milan is a club that traditionally really sort of pushes itself for kind of this combination of. They're almost like the best way of describing. They're kind of like the Italian Real Madrid. Really, they're a club that has a wonderful glamour about them. They're kind of, I would say, even though Juventus in terms of domestic titles, are the most successful club. Milan are really the most glamorous club, I think. They've won more Champions Leagues than any other um than any other Italian team. I think they've won seven Champions Leagues. And obviously you look at the players they've had, you look at the time in the eighties and the nineties when Silvio Berlusconi was running the club, but the incredible players that they had then, the three Dutchmen, the people like Marcel Dassey, Dejan Savicevic, Jean Pierre Papin, George Weir but it was also a club that prided itself on excellence. You talk about Milanalo, the, the, the training complex, that's Milan's training complex. And the really, they really pioneered. They were the one of the, the pioneers, probably along with when Arsene Wenger came in at Arsenal for bringing in nutritional methods that would prolong players' careers at an elite level well into their mid to late 30s. Those were the, the really. That's where I first really saw that going back to that, but not like you got say back in the fifties where it was just sort of uh, still kind of the level of professionalism isn't where it is now. But these were players over the age of thirty four, thirty five, who were able to perform in big games at a very high athletic level. Remember that AC Milan team that took us apart in that Champions League semi-final in 2007? Mm-hmm. The amount of players in that team that were over 30 and then he went on and beat Liverpool in the final. That was one of the best performances I've ever seen an opposition team put out against Manchester United. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely phenomenal. And Zlatan, I think, really fits with that culture. He is a superstar, but he's also someone that has that mindset of athletic excellence and high performance and elite achievement that he's always striving to reach all the time. But he's also he is very good at mentoring young players. That was something that was said about him in the year he was at Manchester United. He was really good at mentoring the younger players there, which I think why I was a bit gutted when we let him go. I just thought that was maybe a year too soon. It would have been nice if you'd have had you could have had Lukaku and you could have still had Sasan Ibrahimovic at the club, giving you more options. And I don't think it was a coincidence that some of Pogba's behaviour and some of a behaviour of some of the other young players at the club strayed under Mourinho when Zlatan left. I don't think that's a coincidence. He is unofficially a coach at Milan. He's basically a player coach. That's what he is. And I think there was a bit of that at Manchester United as well. I think Alex um, Ferguson would have loved to have managed him. I, I think so as well. He would have been fantastic um, at, at United. If we could have got him when he was... Even like, if we could have got him when he was at Milan the first time and got him instead of him going to PSG, 
I think that would have we may not have seen United fall off a cliff in the no, way we would have won more. We would have won more titles. I think we would have won the Champions League more. Was Lassie Ibrahimovic? You mentioned you had Lassie Ibrahimovic and Robin van Persie and Wayne Rooney in the same team. I think that would have been that would have been really that would have been something special. And I think yeah, we would have kept us. It would have stopped us falling off a cliff. And I wonder if we would have ended up with a different manager after Alex Ferguson left instead of David Moyes as well. <laughs> uh, Mike, we have two more questions to get through, and I also want to talk a little bit about the next game against Arsenal on Saturday. Um, so next question is from Keen Franey, who hosts an o- his own podcast himself, the Weekly Armchair. Um, do you think complacency was a factor on Wednesday night? Yeah, 100%. I said earlier the body language of the players in the first 20 minutes was extremely worrying. You could see that they thought it would be a formality this game. And as I said at the top of the show, there's no formalities in the Premier League, especially this season. If another team, especially a team that is desperately need of a win like Sheffield United are, and I know they've been bottom of the league almost all season, but what I've seen of Sheffield United over the last 18 months, there are worse teams in this league than them. They've had a lot of bad luck this season. I think they lost a couple of key personnel that they've struggled to replace. I think losing Dean Henderson was an enormous blow. And they're a team, you can't ever say they're a team that don't work hard and give everything that they have out on the pitch. And United, unfortunately, felt they could go in and half-arse it. And they paid the price. They got what they deserved in that game. I wonder whether Solskjaer, I hope he highlighted that to the players in the dressing room after the game. Because I would have said, if you have any designs of winning this title, you cannot be walking out into games thinking that they're a formality. Well, if you're serious about being title contenders... Cats can't be fucking dropping points at home to Sheffield United, who coming to Old Trafford had five points to their name. Oh, you can't um, be dropping points at home to Crystal Palace, have you, like we did in the first day? You know, there you go. But the, the point is that people had been thinking that we may have learned fr- from those mistakes, that you, this wasn't the United team that was going to do that again. Solskjaer actually spoke in, in the lead-up to the game after beating Liverpool in the FA Cup, was how these players were now going to respond in a game against Sheffield United. And he was clearly getting to the point that he didn't want them getting complacent. Um, And let's not forget, he spent the last week also bigging up the players. The players have been given a a massive ego massage. Um, Some would have said at the time that they deserved it. Um, I would say it was too soon because they haven't done anything yet. And by going out... They haven't won anything yet, and that's why we we can't speak about this side. No matter how 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 good they get this season, we can't speak about them as winners until they win something. Um, Fabiola asks, "I am intrigued. Do these players ever work and train with defending set pieces?" Um, we've spoke about this, Mike. With corners again, we conceded one last night, but positively, we we score from one. Maguire hit yeah. the target. Yeah, we did. But Jesus Christ, how the defending on set pieces yesterday it was just criminal again. And um, what are the what are the senior players who are supposed to be marshaling the defence? What are they doing on these set pieces? Why? And I asked this to Sheffield United. Why is nobody on the post? Where are the players on the post? If we'd have had a guy on the post. That first goal wouldn't have gone in. Also, the first goal wouldn't have gone in had Nemanja Matic not ducked out of the way of the ball 
after it was headed. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. When Kean Bryan headed it and he ducked out of the way. Put your head on the bloody ball, man. You would have stopped that going in. Inexcusable stuff, that. But I, w- I wonder if they work on any defending. In, in, in the training pitch at all when I see some of it at times it's so inept uh, okay, it, it seems from reading Jamie Jackson's book on Solskjaer is that a lot of his football philosophy from his days in Norway um, even under Alex Ferguson and in the Norway national team the managers in which he played under a lot of them were kind of gung-ho types in a sense that outscore the opponents now we're not I don't think Ferguson was certainly not in his late years I think he was far more pragmatic and smart than that definitely definitely but I'm saying there was a lot of it that we will outscore the opponents we'd have the players at Manchester United to outscore a team if if a team was going to go toe-to-toe as like Spurs would have done back when Solskjaer was playing there were some great games between Spurs that United were were ready and I think that's what Solskjaer wants to build And, and I do worry that there's not enough emphasis put on some of the defensive coaching because Harry Maguire, by the way, was one of before he came to Manchester United as far as centre backs go, go in the Premier League. He was one of the most recognised centre backs for getting up in the air and winning headers, whether it was winning and scoring goals, whether it was winning and clearing them. And since he's come to Manchester United, I don't know what it is, but that's not been the case. He might win headers in the opposition's box, but most of them go wide. So, I think we've been sold a dud on him. I'm starting to think we've been sold a dud, mate. I think they've done us over, Leicester. <laughs> but, but but seriously, look, he he does have his games where where he looks like a good centre back. So, uh, look, I complain about him more times than I praise him. That that's and that's just been the truth since Harry Maguire signed for Manchester United. If you go week in week in week in week out, there are probably more weeks where I have an issue. Than, than when I'm happy with him. Is, is this but, not a thing, though? When he was at Leicester, there wasn't enough spotlight on him. I'd be interested. I might see if I can dig out anyone I know who would have, who's a Leicester City fan who would have seen him regularly at Leicester. I wonder if he made more mistakes at Leicester than we realise. But because he was at Leicester City, these things weren't highlighted as much. I'll give you an example. Dejan Lovren, everyone thought of Southampton. He was a really good centre-half. He went to Liverpool. Frankly, Dale, he was nothing short of a disaster. He was terrible. He was really poor at Liverpool. Mike, I want why? You... Because he was there was he there was more spotlight put on him, and he was in a team that was attack that attacked more. So he had to concentrate a lot more than he would at Southampton, where you may be defending more and you have to be more and you can just get away with being a little bit more instinctual. Then you, when you're playing at a top club and you have more of the ball and you attack more, you have to think a lot more as a defender. You have to concentrate more. I do wonder with Harry Maguire whether he even has a brain between his ears. I don't know if he's capable. I want you to do a bit of homework for the podcast then, Mike, and I want you to go and find a Leicester City fan who has watched Harry Maguire closely and to get his thoughts on his time at at Leicester. Because I don't think he was questioned as much because at one, okay, there wasn't the same focus on him. Two... I don't think he was questioned as much because he didn't make these many mistakes week in, week out. Um, you can say that he was never world-class or whatever, make that claim, fine. But the, the amount of mistakes he's making right now are a lot. For 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 someone I, I, who was getting into the England squad. But he was getting into the England. He was getting into Gareth Southgate. This England is like squad. the John the John Stones thing, right? John Stones has only really looked like, I think, a real top-class centre-half probably in the last 15 games. I think, and he's changed his game. 
But everyone was going wild about him when he was at Everton. But I watched him at Everton, and he would make a lot of errors. But wasn't <laughs> the same he did a lot Michael Keane? Michael Keane as well. People were mad about him. James, the guy from Burnley, and I can pronounce his surname, but it's a Tarkovsky or... Is that his name? People were talking about or talk about these defenders in the very same light. Harry Maguire came from Sheffield United, signed for Hull, um, went went to Leicester and was a very very good defender. But 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 there is no way that Ed Woodward. He's the only person in the world who thought that he was an eighty million centre back. Okay, uh, he, oh, well, he did in the summer before though, did he? When Mourinho was asking for him, he said, "I'm not paying that much for him." So I don't understand why a year later we went back to the well and paid that money for him. Well, Manchester United, the summer of that World Cup, before the World Cup kicked off, they inquired about Harry Maguire and they were quoted something along the lines of 35 to 40 million. That significantly increased after the World Cup because Leicester seen the his performances then and banked on it. But he has never been... Never remember been in quoted, 80 million. We quoted 30 million for Toby Alderweireld that summer as well when he had yeah. a year left on his deal yeah. and we didn't buy him. But look, look, there's no point crying over spit milk. But I want to get on to the Arsenal game before we get recording too long. Um, Mike, this game means a lot to me. Manchester United and Arsenal, it's been a game since I was a child that there was fierce rivalry and now we can both agree that in recent years... It hasn't met those heights. Um, Arsenal are nowhere near as good as what they used to be. I think for the vast amount of, of years, you could say the same about Manchester United. Um, but we're going out for revenge here. And I wanted against this Arsenal side because we were absolutely atrocious when we played them earlier on the season at Old Trafford. Yeah, we were. Um, I would argue that Arsenal side then is not as good, uh, not quite as good as they are now. They seem to have tied a couple of bits and pieces together. Um, the young kid they've got is it Emil Smith Rowe? He looks a real good prospect for him. I think he's given them an option that they didn't have in a more advanced position in midfield. I wonder if Martin Odegaard will feature. I think he is a brilliant signing for them. I don't understand what Real Madrid have been doing when they drastically well, yeah. need. What's happened? To what, make their... What's happened there? Um... I don't watch Spanish football as much, but last season he was on loan at Real Sociedad. He was brilliant last season. Okay, so listen, let, okay, let's go back to the beginning, the background. So, Ramadri bought him when he was 16 years old, right? There was a lot of clubs in for him at this point. They spent a lot of money on him for a 16-year-old who hadn't played first-team football. Um, and he went straight into Ramadri B, which Zinedine Zidane was the manager there at the time. And he wasn't really playing. Zidane wasn't really a huge fan of his. He was trying to, but he was sort of obliged to try and shoehorn him in. And then last season, they thought, you know, this guy needs to get some regular minutes at top level. So they sent him out on loan to Real Sociedad. He was one of the best players in the league last season, in La Liga. He was absolutely brilliant. This this was the guy. We looked at this guy. If you think about Christian Eriksen and then you add more pace and more of a goal-scoring threat, that's what you've got with Martin Odegaard. So clearly a phenomenal talent, right? Because back to Real Madrid are like, we want him back next season comes back this season, he's barely played. And you look at Real Madrid, their team is in badly need of a, of a rework at the moment. The squad's gotten too old. I think Zidane is probably part of the problem as well because he doesn't seem to be willing to part with some of these older players. Like Why Modric, doesn't he utilise a prospect? No like idea. They, they'd be cr- they're crying out for someone like him as well. I've seen very little of Vinicius Junior for the last year. 
even though he came in, he had a real impact on the club when he arrived. Not seen as much of Rodrigo as well. Another young Brazilian is very, very exciting. This surely would have these last this season surely would have been a season for Zidane to start blending these young players really back into the team with some of the senior players. Modric is thirty five. Cruz is in his early thirties, but has got a lot. Looks like a player with a lot more miles on the clock, right? Casemiro is probably Real Madrid's best midfielder, but seems to be struggling to stay fit for a long period. Marcelo's still at the club. He's still picking up a wage somehow. God knows that guy's been rubbish for ages. And even Zidane thinks he's terrible. Um, you know, Karim Benzema, brilliant forward, still is absolutely brilliant. But the other thing they've had as well is. Asensio and Isco, who was sort of two guys supposed to lead the next group of Real Madrid players, that's just not worked. That's not worked at all. So, Lucas well, Vasquez hasn't really worked out. How have... got players like Mariano and, and all these players on the books. And Odegaard isn't getting minutes. Is this and the size of the Carole... Premier League, Mike, though? But how have Arsenal got a clear run at Odegaard on loan? You know, if you, I, well, I, I, I'm listening to, to what buy. you're saying, but I'm also on Twitter and people who watch Spanish football and they, they all rave about Odegaard. They say he's a fantastic Brilliant. player. Arsenal fans are getting very excited. Um, and he's exactly what they don't have in the midfield, right? He's exactly what they've lacked, which is that someone that's going to link the midfield into the forwards, which they don't, they've not had that. I mean, I think I would. I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal are picking up all of the wages, and there is a loan fee as well. So they're paying a fee to loan him, and then there's an option to buy him at the end of it. But I can't remember. I don't think the um, actual buyout clause to them buying him permanently. It's not a crazy amount. It's like thirty-five million or something like that. It's not a huge amount of money in comparison to the standards of the market and what this guy could offer. Now, whether Madrid do what they did with Sergio Regulon, which is they put in a buyback clause into Sergio Regulon's contract, which is why United balked at buying him in the end, because United were front of the queue for Regulon. They were ahead of Tottenham, and they said, we want a buyback clause of £35 million, and United went, absolutely no chance. So in the end, that fell through. Um, maybe that's in there. But what I've heard, there is no buyback option in there. So it's going to be a great deal for Arsenal. I don't know what's going on at Real Madrid right now, um, usually Real Madrid are really good at selling players that's one thing they've been good at selling at is selling players and getting good money for them but here uh, I think they're probably getting out the worst end of the deal maybe but maybe Odegaard has maybe said I want to leave look I want first team football I'm 20 he's 20 21 years old now I want to play and if you're not going to play the year 21 it feels like we're talking about him for years it, like when he yeah, first broke onto yeah, yeah, the scene, yeah. it feels like a long, long time. But he was 16. And I always, you always have to caution against players with that young because you don't know what's going to happen between the ages of... Look at Martial. Martial comes to the club as a 19-year-old, right? He's phenomenal in that first season. For Jesus, we've got Thierry Henry. We've got Thierry Henry here. That's who we've got. And then we're six years on now. And it's just not happened. Five, six years on it, it's not happened. So a lot can happen. A lot can happen between players between the ages of 19 and 25. You can imagine what happened between 16 and 20 when there's a lot of physical development involved. But Odegaard, I think, I suspect he wants to play. He's seen an opportunity here. I still think Arsenal are much better than where the league position has been this season. But they've kind of gone through the tough spell that we had to go through last year. I think it was kind of a necessary pain that Arsenal have gone through this season because they need to reshape that squad at 
you were saying people blowing smoke up Arteta's ass, and I said maybe they have, but Arteta also needs a lot of time. He needs a lot more time to build that squad, and there has been a lot of pressure on Arteta since winning that United game, and things went pear shaped very quickly. People have been calling for him to be fired, and I was like, it's way too soon to fight. You cannot make that call on this guy. Give him time, and this is a player I think that's going to help them. Looking at Arsenal's league position, like they were down closer to the relegation zone than they were to the European places, and they're currently ninth on thirty points. West Ham in fourth on thirty five points with the same game played, so they're five points off the fourth spot. I think that Chelsea win set them off on a bit of a run, didn't it? They it, won, it they did. beat Chelsea and it set them on a run, yeah. It did. Uh, they're, they're, they're in. A, I don't think, looking back at how bad they were, um, that's not a, a bad position. They will be coming. They will be coming for looking for three points at the weekend after United losing to Sheffield Absolutely, United. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But I think United need to go out with a bit of arrogance, not complacency, and get back to what we do best. They need to win go out like they did matches. in the cup game. They need to go out like they did in the cup game and be aggressive. That's what they need to do. I think, and I think Arsenal will be aggressive as well. This could be a good game. I'm hoping it is. But it the, should be a good game. The number one ingredient to beating Arsenal is being aggressive. Um, and I've seen in the past when, when we don't have that aggression, as we've seen at Old Trafford later on this season, we just don't win. Don't win this fixture. Need to be I, aggressive. I, I do wonder, Arteta has been trying to make uh, this his Arsenal team much more aggressive than they have been for several years. So I wonder um, what the situation is going to be with that. Uh, I'll be interested. But I think United need to really... Yeah, they need to get in their faces and put some pressure on and see how they respond. Quick prediction, Mike? 2-2. Uh, 2-2, OK. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win, Manchester United, at the weekend. Clean uh, sheet? Clean sheet, it, yeah. That defence is going to keep a clean sheet, yeah. is it? I don't, not for a second. It will surprise you. It surprised you before. We, Mike, we've been on this podcast. We have been moaning about Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire. I've spent... Hours on phone calls raging when I've seen team lineups and seen Lindelof start. And I've, I've, there's been many a time when I've been proven wrong. Um, and I think we're going to be proven wrong the weekend. I don't think Arsenal are going to score against Manchester United. I think David De Gea will show again why he's the best goalkeeper in the whole world. Uh, no, he's not. You know he's <laughs> not. That's a lie. <laughs> right on that note we'll see you again we'll be recording on Sunday morning so next episode Sunday all the best Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.